From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Tuesday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. If you'd like to be part of the program, pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is one 205 2985 and we will even put you straight to the front of the line at 1 205 271 2985 and you can always send us an email that email address is openline at ewtn.com i'm jack williams michael mccall producing the program your call screener is matt kubensky and jeff burson handling our social media efforts so if you're Watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host, as he is every Tuesday when he's not sick, Father Wade Menezes, how are you? I'm doing much better than last week, Jack. Thank you so much for asking. Most, you most, are most you people, are a caring moderator. You are most a very people didn't even probably know that you were ill because we we had a topic uh, appropriate uh, previous episode that we aired. So. They can, can they can pray for your continued recovery. That is exactly right, and I would greatly appreciate that. Yes, last week was a re-air from November of 2021 titled The Communion of Saints and the Three States of the Church, and we're going to carry that through to this week with today's springboard being fostering devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. Today is November 7th. You have today and tomorrow to gain the plenary indulgence on behalf of only the holy souls in purgatory by visiting a cemetery these first eight days of November proper. So these are the last two days to do that. But the whole month, of course, Jack, is as we all know, as faithful Catholics, is devoted to the holy souls in purgatory in a very special way November is. So I want to challenge and invite our listeners today listening live or, or, or call in live or type in the sidebar live with YouTube or Facebook feeds that uh, what is your particular devotion to the holy souls in purgatory? How long have you had it? Uh, what, what began it for you? Tell us about your particular devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. Again, our springboard today, fostering devotion to the holy souls in pur- purgatory as we continue our way through November. You know, the Catholic Church dedicates, again, the entire month of November to the holy souls in purgatory, and during this entire month, we pray for the souls of all the faithful departed, especially those whom we have known and loved. And of course, November 2nd every year is All Souls Day, also known as the Day of the Dead. Pope St. John XXIII once said, quote, the devotion to the memory of the dead is one of the most beautiful expressions of the Catholic spirit. Of course it is, because they are one of the three states of the Church. The members of the Church triumphant are those souls already in heaven. Members of the Church militant still fighting the good fight on earth. Remember our confirmation, our sacrament of confirmation makes us soldiers of Christ, so we're members of the Church militant still living on earth. And the holy souls in purgatory are members of the Church suffering, Jack, also known as members of the Church penitent, huh? 
Huh? We forget that second title for that third state of the church, the, the members of the church penitent. Uh, the holy souls in purgatory died in the mercy of God, that is, in a state of God's sanctifying grace. This is why they are called holy. However, because they still had attachment to sin at the time of their death, they must undergo a spiritual purification of their souls before they are able to fully love God with their whole heart, mind, and soul for all eternity. The holy souls in purgatory are indeed saved souls. They will eventually enjoy the reward of heaven, no doubt. But during their lives, they were not the perfect souls that Christ commanded them to be by the time of their earthly death, and for which he provided every grace and means for them to become before their earthly death. So those who die in the love of God but fall short of the holiness due to habitual sinful clingings or inclinations must be pure before being admitted to the beatific vision or eternal beatitude, not only because only absolute purity can enter heaven, but because they themselves need the full capacity to love God as God requires to be loved in heaven as a loving father. Uh, So again, uh, these sinful clingings or inclinations uh, still uh, bear on them, and they must be purified of these things before being admitted to the beatific vision or eternal beatitude, that is the vision of God and the saints uh, in heaven, to join the saints in heaven for all eternity, that the saints in heaven already enjoy. The holy souls in purgatory cannot pray for themselves, this is why they are called poor souls or suffering souls or penitent souls. Uh, They can no longer merit anything for themselves. Their opportunity for increasing in merit was during only their earthly lives. And so they must rely entirely on others to pray and make sacrifices on their behalf. As they are nevertheless part of the communion of saints, that is, they are members of the church suffering, also known as members of the church penitent, as I said, they depend upon us to help ease their suffering and quickly advance, to help quickly advance them through their purification so they can join the saints in heaven who comprise the members of the church triumphant. Prayers for the faithful departed, Jack, pleases God very much, who makes use of our prayers to help purify these holy souls that he loves so dearly. It is an act of charity that we can give for those we have known and loved, for our ancestors who gave us life, for example, for those who were our benefactors, for those whose memory is lost, that nobody thinks of anymore, and for those who have no one else to pray for them. In fact, just this morning, my Mass for the Day, Jack, was, quote, for all the holy souls in purgatory, end quote. Here are some ideas now for praying for these suffering and often neglected souls in purgatory at any time of the year, but especially during the month of November dedicated to their memory, huh? And by carrying out these practices, we also foster devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. We have a couple minutes left before our first break, so I don't think I'll get through all 20 of these, but I think they're great ones, and so I want to start combing through them now, and we'll finish up when we come back from the break. Number one, pray a novena to the holy souls, huh? Number two, offer your holy communions for the holy souls in purgatory. Number three, have masses said for your departed loved ones, especially on the anniversary of their death. That's an important one. Number four, pray the way of the cross for the holy souls in purgatory, the stations of the cross, but in a very special way for the holy souls in purgatory. Number five, pray the rosary for the holy souls. 
Number six, obtain indulgences on their behalf. We already mentioned that November 1st through 8th, when visiting a cemetery and carrying out the good, pious work, not for the work itself, but for the charity it helps foster, we can gain a plenary indulgence on behalf of the Holy Souls during these first eight days of November. Uh, indulgences reduce or cancel the temporal punishment that we incur through sin. There are many ways to obtain indulgences, both partial and plenary, through pious actions, and we can apply their merits to the dead. For example, again, if you visit a church or oratory on All Souls Day, which is already passed, of course, and there recite the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, you can gain a plenary full indulgence applicable only to the Holy Souls in Purgatory under the usual conditions. The same can be said for visiting a cemetery from November 1st through 8th, of which there's two days left, if you count today, November 7th and tomorrow the 8th. Number seven on my list of 20, Jack, is to give alms, huh? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Well, this is that third leg of the three eminent good works, almsgiving. The giving of material assistance to the poor with the intention of relieving the suffering of the holy souls in purgatory has always been considered a penance that can be offered per se for the members of the church penitent. Uh, Tobit 12.9 tells us, quote, for almsgiving saves from death and purges away every sin. Number eight, pray the divine mercy chaplet for the intention of the holy souls. Remember that Saint Faustina actually visited purgatory, huh? Uh, our Lord gave her that grace to visit purgatory. Number nine, pray the prayer of St. Gertrude for the Holy Souls. This prayer is attributed to St. Gertrude the Great and was the prayer by which she obtained the release of many souls from purgatory and which has ecclesiastical approbation. Uh, number 10, sprinkle holy water on the ground. Now, I did not know about this one, Jack. St. John Masius, a great friend of those in purgatory, would often sprinkle holy water on the ground during his walks for the spiritual benefit of the suffering souls in purgatory. Now, we know that purgatory is, is a state of being, of purgation. Uh, you know, many of the artists like Dante, etc., put purgatory in the middle of the earth, in the center, center of the earth, and maybe this is why St. John Masius did that pious practice of sprinkling the ground with uh, holy water. Now, it makes sense because we do sprinkle graves. Every time I go home back to California, I, I visit and bless my parents' graves, and I sprinkle the graves with holy water. That's a pious practice to do that. And so it would make sense that St. John Masius had that pious devotion and practice of sprinkling holy water on the ground with the intention, specifically a deliberately willed intention, of alleviating the suffering of the members of the church suffering in purgatory. Huh? Number 11, when passing by a cemetery, pray the short eternal rest prayer. We all know that when this prayer carries a partial indulgence applicable to the poor souls, quote, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them, and may the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. We'll begin with number 12 and go through 20 when we get back but if you are listening right now live or watching live on facebook or youtube give us a call tell us about your particular devotion to the holy souls in purgatory during this month of november it's ewtn's open line tuesday with father wade menezes This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or 
send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. You know, EWTN's religious catalog is your online destination for gifts and holy reminders. For Advent and Christmas, you can buy CatholicShopEWTNRC.com today, and you can receive regular emails from EWTN's religious catalog. Just visit EWTN.com and click on subscribe. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Father Wade, we're talking about... Fostering devotion. Yeah, 20 ways that you can help to pray for the holy souls in purgatory. Exactly. Uh, Not only carry out these little pious practices, but at the same time, foster devotion, per se, on your own behalf for the holy souls. Number 12, Jack, is practice the tradition of praying the eternal rest prayer before and after your meals as an easy way to remember to pray for the holy souls each day. You can also pray the prayer between the decades of your daily rosary. So not just when you pass a cemetery, as I said in the previous one just before our break, our previous point, but to pray the eternal eternal rest prayer either before or after meals. We Fathers of Mercy during our community meals and refectory have the uh, tradition within the, the community, or what's called a, a custom, properly speaking, of praying the eternal prayer, rest prayer at the end of our meals. Number 13 is to visit a cemetery. Pray over the graves of your departed loved ones, or visit a random graveyard, and pray for those who have no one to pray for them. Simply doing this gains a partial indulgence for those in purgatory. While you're there, sprinkle holy water on their graves. Again, if you make the visit during the first eight days of the month dedicated to the Holy Souls, November 1st through 8th, you can gain a plenary indulgence applicable only to the holy souls in purgatory. Number 14, I love this one, Jack. Practice Eucharistic adoration. Visit the Blessed Sacrament to make acts of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus on behalf of those in purgatory. Again, the members of the Church suffering or the members of the Church penitent. Number 15 is how about making sacrifices, just in general, huh? Practice small acts of self-denial throughout your day and offer these penances up for the poor souls. And you know what else is good about that? Jack, is that it takes us out of ourselves, and we're focused on others, huh? in this case, the deceased, but we're, it still takes us out of ourselves, which is a great thing. You know, I learned something that I didn't know in the days leading up to this November, this year in 2023, What's is that? that if we pray for the poor souls in purgatory, it makes their prayers for us more efficacious. That's exactly right. I think that's number 985 of the Catechism. That's a beautiful thing. It, it is. It is wonderful. In other words, their, their intercessory power for us is more effective if we are first praying for them. It, because the, Why? Because the communio, the communion is going on, us to them, them for us, us to them, them for us, etc. So that's a beautiful thing. So again, how about making those small sacrifices, small acts of self-denial throughout your day and offer these penances up for the poor souls? And that kind of dovetails with the three-minute good works of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. For example, a type of fast for a given day. Number 16, pray the office of the dead. You can find this in your volume of the Liturgy of the Hour, or online. You can find the Liturgy of the Hours online and pray the Office of the Dead. Number 17, ask the intercession of saints who were known particularly to be great friends of the Holy Souls in Purgatory during their lifetime to join you in prayer for the faithful departed. Saints like St. Nicholas of Tolentino, St. Gertrude the Great, who I've already mentioned because of her prayers for the dead, St. Catherine of Genoa, St. Padre Pio, St. Philip Neri, St. John Masius, who we've already mentioned, St. Faustina Kowalska, the Divine Mercy Seer, St. Joseph, the patron saint of a happy death, right? And our Blessed Lady and, and others as well, uh, in, 
involve the saints who were known during their own earthly lives to have had a, a, a very popular and pious devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. Number 18, pray aspiration prayers throughout the day. Offer up short and spontaneous aspiration prayers, also known as ejaculatory prayers, or, or the, again, the short aspiration prayers for the holy souls. Consider purchasing devotional books and booklets with more prayers and special devotions for the holy souls, and pray these as well. Number 19, repent of your offenses against God and go to confession. Why? Because confessing your own sins makes your prayers for the souls in purgatory and for others more efficacious, more effective. Huh? Number 20, spread devotion to the holy souls. Make others aware of the great need these suffering souls have for our prayers as they can no longer merit for themselves. And as you pray for the holy souls in purgatory, don't forget to ask them to pray for you in return, not only now while they are still in purgatory, but especially once they enter into heaven, ask them to pray for you. They will be happy to do so once they're in heaven, as they will be most grateful for your prayers and sacrifices on their behalf. This is the beauty of the communion of saints, the three states of the church, the church triumphant in heaven, the church militant still living on earth and fighting the good fight, and the church suffering or the church penitent in purgatory. Death does not separate those bonded to one another in Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen to that. And a side note, Jack, regarding the obtaining of a partial or plenary indulgence, uh, one must be baptized, of course, and in the state of sanctifying grace, that is, with no known mortal sin on their soul, be free from an attachment to sin, go to confession within 20 days before or 20 days after the indulgence pious action is performed or carried out, and receive Holy Communion on the very day you perform the indulgence pious action, like visiting a cemetery, and offer prayers for the needs and intentions of the Holy Father, such as in Our Father, and a Hail Mary. So again, 20 ways to help foster devotion to the most holy souls in purgatory. This is adapted from an article that I found online dated October 17th of 2017 by Gretchen Phils, found at catholiccompany.com, a fantastic website, catholiccompany.com, 20 ways to pray for the holy souls in purgatory. Today's springboard is adapted from that article. So are you listening to the radio right now live to Open Line Tuesday? Are you watching us and listening live at our YouTube feed or Facebook feed? Contact us right now live. I love taking our live callers, Jack. You know that. And I want you to give us a witness as a live listener right now this very hour about your own pious devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. What began it? What did it for you to start having a pious devotion to the members of the church suffering precisely as a member of the church militant still living on earth, living your baptism, your confirmation, uh, sustained by regular Eucharist and reconciliation, the importance of those two sacraments especially, huh, and how they feed our one-time baptism sacrament, our one-time confirmation sacrament, and help us to be and live uh, the life that we are meant to be and live as members of the church militant fighting the good fight, which incorporates a very loving devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. Karen's watching us on Facebook Live, and she says, My devotion is to pray the eternal rest prayer every oh, night for my parents. I started this in 2017 after the death of my father, but became steadfast in doing so after my mother passed in April of this year. I include all my family members as well. Thank you, Father Wade, Susan Tassoni, and EWTN for educating us on this most inspirational way to help our loved ones still, uh, to help our loved ones still. 
Amen. And, and remember, the eternal rest prayer is this, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and all the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Traditionally prayed by the Catholic Christian, or any Christian, but spearheaded by the Catholic Christian, we could say, uh, when passing a cemetery, right? But remember, a couple more points of these 20 is to also incorporate it into your prayer before meals and or your prayer after meals. That's very important as well. And uh, so there's different times of day you can do it. And here Karen writes in on the sidebar that she does it at night before retiring each day, and she does it on behalf specifically of her deceased parents. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful practice there, Karen. Thank you so much for a great uh, witness uh, uh, comment there on the sidebar. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate you listening live to Open Line Tuesday. To the phones we go. First up today is Suzanne in Abilene, Texas, listening on Guadalupe Radio. Suzanne, thanks for holding. You're on with Father Wade. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I did not think a whole lot about purgatory until my mother passed away in 2020, Mm. and I started thinking about it a lot because uh, I am a convert. My mother supported me in this, but uh, she was Methodist, and I was concerned about her, and I started doing reading, and oh, God bless Susan Tassoni for all the wonderful books that she has written, and I'm so excited about this book she has now for children uh, to help them mm. come to understand purgatory. Um And so I've done a lot of reading, and I started praying initially for family and friends. And then as I read more, um, I became concerned about my Protestant friends and people that are Protestant. As I told, and I don't remember his name, I'm sorry, the call screener, I said, they may not believe in purgatory, but purgatory, in effect, believes in them. And no one's praying for them because they don't know to be prayed for. So I've really uh, been spending a lot of my prayer time for the Holy Souls for the most forgotten soul. Beautiful. beautiful. And I, uh, I uh, love the list that you read out, and... I feel like I learned this from Susan Tassoni, but I just also, I spent a lot of time in Eucharistic adoration. I have a number of prayer books that I take with me. I'm reading from the saints, and and I picked up a habit from, I believe, a saint, and maybe it was the one you mentioned, that when I indulge in holy water, I share some with the holy souls, because I had read that someone had uh, seen uh, them around the holy water fount and Mm. that it could help them. So I started sharing it with them, and I'm trying to build this love and devotion for the holy souls into my grandchildren. And so uh, when I'm with them... I make sure that when we pass the cemetery, that we stop and we say a prayer for the holy souls. Beautiful, uh, beautiful, Suzanne. You know, uh, you're. I think you're referring to Saint John Masius, who had the pious practice of sprinkling the ground with holy water whenever he prayed for the holy souls in purgatory, and that is a, a beautiful practice. That is not one that I was 
individually uh, aware of, uh, personally, uh, but I'm glad I came across it in this list of 20 things uh, that help foster devotion to holy souls. Again, if you want to read the entire full and original article, it can be found at catholiccompany.com, all lowercase, all one word, Catholic company.com, and the title of the article by Gretchen Fills, F-I-L-Z, is 20 Ways to Pray for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. Again, 20 Ways to Pray for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. Thank you, too, for mentioning Susan Tassoni's new book, for children, it's specifically a children's book, uh, on the Holy Souls in Purgatory, because one has never, ever been done, and I was one of several priests who helped give consultation theologically on that book, and it's just a wonderful book. It's now available from uh, EWTNRC.com, and uh, you want to be sure to go ahead and take a look at that. When we come back from the break, I hear the music. We'll have the title of that book for you. God bless you. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It is a free telephone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. Our friends at Siouxland Catholic Radio in Iowa need to hear from you next week. They're airing their annual fall pledge drive next Tuesday through Thursday. So if you're listening in Sioux City, Storm Lake, or anywhere, please support your EWTN Catholic Radio Station. By the way, you've got the title of Susan's new book. Yeah, by Susan Tassoni, New Friends Now and Forever, a story about the holy souls, especially for children. Beautiful, rich color drawings. It's a hardcover book. It's available now from EWTNRC.com, and I believe she's already interviewed with your lovely wife, Johnette Jack, on this book, a couple of episodes. Uh, So our listeners might want to research that and check out those episodes that were done with Johnette by Susan Tassoni. But again, New Friends Now and Forever, a story about the holy souls. Maybe you have little ones in your family, nieces, nephews, brothers, or sisters that you'd like to get this book for, for their uh, reading for this November. And uh, just a beautiful, beautiful storyline about twins, Hope and Ben, and uh, their parents, and uh, Mr. Ray, who they befriend at their parish church. And uh, I was honored to be one of several priests who gave theological consultation to Susan Tassoni uh, about the storyline and some of the uh, drawings and, and, and how things were depicted in the drawings, like the sanctuary and whatnot of the church. So uh, I, I want to thank Susan for that opportunity. Uh, but it's a wonderful, wonderful children's book. Again, new friends now and forever a story about the holy souls rose is up next she's in omaha nebraska listening on spirit catholic radio rose you're on with father wade yes father wade thank you for taking my call and i wanted to ask um the uh you referred to the uh, praying for the souls in purgatory for eight days of going to a cemetery uh, all yes. my relative, all my relatives are in different uh, states. Uh, so I was wondering. I thought maybe the going to church for eight days and receiving communion and doing is that only for the one day, or is that for all eight days? 
Okay, first of all, you can gain a plenary indulgence once a day. So this November 1st through 8th indulgence that's applicable only for the holy souls in purgatory um, is is done through the 1st through the 8th any one day. You don't have to go all eight days in a row unless you want to obtain eight indulgences for the for the holy souls in purgatory. So just pick one day if you want. Now here at the Fathers of Mercy, I, w- I was ill uh, the second, the, excuse me, the, fir- the first through the fourth, I was ill, not feeling too well, but beginning on the fifth uh, through today so far, and I plan to do the same tomorrow on the seventh, I've been walking in our Fathers of Mercy cemetery, cemetery here on our generalate grounds where we have uh, some Fathers of Mercy members buried since we moved here in 1987, and uh, also a few Benedictine graves from the Benedictine fathers and brothers who used to live here before us. So I, we have an actual bonafide cemetery. So when I go to that cemetery these last few days, uh, Rose, I'm praying simply for all the holy souls currently in purgatory. Some of them may be my relatives, some of them may not be. Some of them may be my friends who have passed, some of them may not be. That's up to God to apply it how he wants. All I know is that I'm going each day, and, and because I want to go each day. One day would be enough if I, if I wanted to go just one day. In other words, the indulgence isn't collective on all eight days. Each day stands autonomous from the other seven. And you don't have to go to the cemetery, Rose, where your loved ones are buried. You can go to any cemetery and just lift up your loved ones uh, who are in purgatory while you're praying for, quote, all the holy souls in purgatory. So I hope that answers your question. Great questions. Thank you so much. Linda's in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Linda, you're on with Father Wade. Well, hello, Father Wade. I hello. love this. this Linda, I love thank this. you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say... I was just going to say thank you for your call, and I want to thank Rose for hers. And I just want to give quickly uh, the, the definition of an indulgence so we're all on the same page here. It's right out of the Universal Catechism of the Catholic Church. An indulgence is the remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sin, whose guilt has already been forgiven. A properly disposed member of the Christian faithful can obtain an indulgence under certain prescribed conditions through the help of the Church as the Bride of Christ, which as the minister of redemption dispenses and applies with her authority the treasury of the satisfactions of Christ and the saints. An indulgence is partial if it removes part of the temporal punishment due to sin, or plenary if it removes all punishment due to already forgiven sin. So uh, what Jesus did was, like any groom or husband, he left everything in the will to his bride, and she dispenses from the treasury of merits that he won for us from the cross. Uh, She dispenses freely as she sees fit through her authority, as she acts in his stead from his ascension Thursday till he comes again at the end of time. This is why the indulgence is such a wonderful, wonderful gift, whether plenary or partial. Linda, you were going to say something uh, there at the beginning. Well, I was going to say I I love this topic. A few years ago, probably three years ago, I started praying intently for the holy souls, not specifically for anyone in particular, Mm -hmm. but just for the holy souls, and generally the ones, I usually say for the ones who are most forgotten, the ones who have no one left to pray Mm -hmm. for them. And so I I was doing this for about a year and a half, and not this last Easter, but the Easter before, I lead the rosary before Mass, and I usually pray with my eyes closed because people are coming into the sanctuary, and I don't want it to disrupt my prayer as well. And so I briefly opened my eyes, and I saw the church was full of people who were not actually there. And I instantly closed my eyes again and opened them up, and they were all gone. And I know that 
everyone around me that was praying with me heard me catch my voice, you know, because I was startled by the kind of the quick vision I had in my, in my, I don't know where the vision was, but I know what I saw. And so the next day when I went to adoration, I prayed about it and I asked, Lord, did I imagine something or what was this? What was this? And what were you trying to tell me? And the message that I felt back in my soul was that he wanted me to continue to pray for the holy souls and that I would be able to um, help as many people as could fit into that church, and our church could probably hold about 3,000 people. And mm-hmm. so I, like, earnestly stepped up my game and, game and found all kinds of ways to continue praying for the Holy Souls every day. Beautiful. You know, that, that's the whole reality about a devotion, is that it grows. The devotion grows. That, that's precisely what, what supplants it as a devotion, properly speaking. It stays regular with you and, and whatnot. And that's a beautiful thing, and that's what it sounds like happened with you in praying for—you're beginning to pray for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. It, it grew, and that's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much, Linda. And, and you make an excellent point, you know, um, about praying for those who have no one to pray for them. I, I think about when I visit a cemetery with very, very old graves, it, going back to the, the 1800s and even the 1700s, uh, these souls, do they have anyone to pray for them? And so it is a beautiful thing to pray for all, quote-unquote, all the faithful departed. Through the mercy of God, may they rest in peace. Amen. And so that's why I love the eternal rest prayer. Uh, Linda, thank you so much. You make some beautiful points, and you also show us beautifully how devotion is meant to grow in a person's life, particular devotions. God bless you now. Take care. Next stop for us is Omaha, Nebraska. Amanda is a first-time caller, listening also on Spirit Catholic Radio. Amanda, you're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade. Um, I just wanted to share, I am a hospice worker and um, a lot of times, you know, we take care of the body and we take care of the person's spirit and, and um, emotions during the hospice stay. But once they pass on, the team is finished with that person. And I just want to share with anybody out there that sometimes the hospice worker, I, I continue to pray for my patients and their souls and purgatory. Mm. Um, I try to go to adoration before I start work every day and and I've Beautiful. been working for four years, so I've got quite a list of people and um, that I that I continue to pray for. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, I, I've heard something very similar from uh, two first responders whom I've met in the past, that uh, they pray for those who they assist that day, including the, de- the, the deceased, those who might have died in an accident that they came across as a first responder. Uh, they pr- these are strong Catholic Catholics uh, who practice the faith regularly. They understand the sacramental economy of the Church. And one of them even told me he offers up his Holy Communions for those deceased that that he might have come into contact with just in the previous week at his Sunday Mass, when he fulfills his Sunday Mass obligations. That's a beautiful thing, to be able to take your work and incorporate your work, Amanda, per se, with your spiritual life. And you're able to do that. You said you you try to make a a quick uh, Eucharistic visit at your Eucharistic Adoration Chapel before going to work, but then you also remember those whom you assist, including the deceased uh, who might die at your place of of employment. So um, I presume you're in healthcare, is that correct? Yeah, I work in hospice, so everybody does. Uh, in, in hospice, okay, per se, yeah, okay, hospice per se. Beautiful, thank you for such a great witness. Uh, the, the hospice people, they know their work like the back of their hand, and for those hospice people with great faith, they are a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, asset to the family 
who is experiencing the, the, the slow demise of the loved one who's dying. The, the, the hospice people bring great, great comfort to those family members. So thank you so much, Amanda, for your great work. We really appreciate it. A couple of open lines for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Elizabeth is another first-time caller. She's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, listening on the Amazon Echo. Elizabeth, you're on with Father Wade. Okay. Um, yeah, you asked about how I pray, and I think it just came to me when I would upset uh, a box of, uh, say, pins or buttons or box of Cheerios, and all those little pieces would go all over the floor, and I'd be, oh, no. So I decided that was my time to pray for the soul, and i just pick them up one by one and say, um, dear Jesus, I lift up Stephen. Dear Jesus, I lift up Madeline. Dear Jesus, I lift up Cecilia. Have mercy on him. Have mercy on her. And Beautiful. I just go through... A hundred things like that. And it could be uh, cars that pass by or pine cones when I'm doing my yard work. And I live in the neighborhood that I grew up in, and I, I'm i in my 70s, so I know a lot of people here, and people have come and gone, and I can take a walk, and I know a lot of stories, a lot of places I babysat, names of people I remember, and I just pray for each one. Beautiful. That, that's fantastic. And, and, and Elizabeth, don't forget to add the most forgotten soul, the most forgotten soul in purgatory, who, who again has no one to pray for them. But that's a beautiful practice. You remind me of a story of St. Therese of Lisieux, Doctor of the Church, in her story of a soul autobiography, which she did not particularly like being the sacristan uh, and, and the seamstress for the sacristy uh, in the convent. And she didn't particularly like needlepoint pen work. Uh, like, for example, the little red crosses on the purificators and the corporals that are used during the celebration of the sacred liturgy. And she just wasn't fond of this sacristy work, and especially the needlepoint pen work. And uh, one day she kept dropping the needlepoint pen, and she was getting very, very frustrated. And on the third or fourth attempt of, of going down to pick it up, because three or four times she had dropped it on the floor. She was very disappointed with herself, not getting the knack of it all. And on that third or fourth time, when she bent down to pick up the needlepoint pen to grab it once again and continue on, she heard our Lord's voice interiorly say to her, Therese, pick up a pen for the love of God and save a soul. Isn't that beautiful? So in other words, what you're saying, Elizabeth, is you are offering your little annoyances throughout the day, uh, making those little annoyances, which are little negatives huh, uh, in our life each day, whatever they might be. And there could be some big ones too, right? Uh, but we take those annoyances and we make them uh, sacrificially pure and offer them back to God. And that's a great thing to do. That's, a, that's a, a beautiful way to take the negatives of daily life, like Mother Angelica would say, and make positives out of them. And that's a great thing. So thank you, Elizabeth, for a great witness call. We really appreciate it. Anna Marie's watching us on YouTube, and she says, This may sound weird, but ever since I was a little girl, I'd pray for anyone that I heard passed away, asking God to have mercy on everyone from George Burns to the man down the street and even to people I passed in a car crash. I prayed for whoever passed away, and I still do today. Amen. Very beautiful, Anna Marie. Beautiful. Uh, and remember, you know, sum it all up with with all those who have departed today, 
all those who have died today, all the holy souls in purgatory. Uh, kind of sum it up that way to make it a little easier. But it is a beautiful thing that when you hear of a particular name, uh, uh, and it could be a celebrity who dies suddenly or a celebrity who dies not suddenly, uh, you know, and, and you want to pray for their soul as well. Uh, maybe a, a dear friend of your parents who outlived your parents uh, that you just found out recently passed away. Uh, these are important things. So, so when you hear of the person by name, uh, it is important to lift them up like Anna Maria is saying. And uh, it, it, it's all summed up in the beautiful daily practice of praying for all the faithful departed. Through the mercy of God, we ask that they may have rest, that may, they may rest in his peace. Amen. Thank you, Anna Marie, for a great sidebar comment there. We really appreciate it. You know, renowned Catholic literary scholar Joseph Pierce introduces you to the men and women behind history's greatest works of literature. You can hear The Authority with Joseph Pierce, as well as uh, many faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Alex is in Panama City Beach, Florida, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Alex, you're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father. How are you this afternoon? Doing great, Alex. Thank you for your call today. Thank you, sir. Uh, quick question. I'm, I may have been messing this up. I have been going to the cemetery every day for the you know November 1st through 8th, and uh praying the rosary, and then I pray um, the prayer for the, uh, a week of prayers for the Holy Souls. And um, I didn't know you had to go to communion every day. I went on Sunday, obviously, for church. Is that the only day I would have gotten a plenary, plenary uh, indulgence, and, or have I messed this up? Yeah, you want to receive Holy Communion every day that you seek out the, the pious action to gain the plenary indulgence for that particular day. You want to receive Holy Communion. That's one of the standard four extra practices to be fulfilled with any spiritual work. So there's five, right? There's a total of five uh, things that need to be carried out. The first one is the spiritual action itself, whatever that might be. Praying a rosary in a church allowed with other people. Uh, visiting a cemetery between November 1st through 8th. So, so the action itself, the indulgenced act itself, the indulgenced pious action itself, that's number one. Number two, you want to go to confession within 20 days before or within 20 days after the day the spiritual action was carried out. Uh, number three, you want to go to communion. Number four, you want to have a detachment from all sin, both venial and mortal. And number five, you want to pray for the needs and intentions of the Holy Father uh, on the day the spiritual action was carried out. So uh, of, the, of the five total, three of them need to be the done on the day of. Uh, the spiritual action itself needs to be carried out the day of, communion needs to be received on the day of, and prayers for the needs and intentions of the Holy Father on the day of, the pious action being carried out. The other two of the five total that don't need to be done each day of the indulgence act being carried out is the detachment from sin, because that's ongoing, um, and then um, uh, I, I lost my train of thought here. Um, Anyway, the, 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 there's of the five things, three the need to be done to confession. Today. Yeah, the, the, thank you, Jack. Confession. Confession is to be carried out 20 days before or within 20 days after the day of the spiritual and, pious yeah, action and being one, carried out. And one time would cover, in this instance, all eight days if it that was is within correct. the 20, yeah. 
That is correct. That is correct. So there you have it. Does that help you out, Alex? So five things to be carried out for a, a plenary or partial indulgence. Three need to be done the day of the Indulgence Act, and one of those three is the Indulgence Act itself, and the other two are just ongoingly, uh, and so they're not needing to be carried out on the day of the Indulgence Act being carried well, out. Well, and just because is, the plenary indulgence wasn't obtained, it doesn't mean those those visits were not efficacious. No, that is correct. That is correct. But but as, but to answer his question directly about did I obtain the plenary indulgence? Well, not according to what's required for the plenary indulgence, and we we know quote unquote precisely what needs to be carried out for it. But Jack is right also in that it doesn't mean these pious actions of prayer for the dead didn't somehow assist them. You may not have gotten the plenary indulgence for them, but you did alleviate their suffering. Does that help you out, Alex? It does. I, I read it wrong, and I thought you had to pray in the cemetery all eight days. So I just well, left it all. Out. Well, for that, particular, for that particular indulgence action, which is a plenary indulgence, not a partial indulgence, it is going to a cemetery per se, qua cemetery. You are correct about that. You do need to do it at a cemetery. So you're right about that. But I think that he, I think what he's saying, and I think that this was our first caller of the day, it was her impression too, they, they sort of have a novena mentality about this, that you have to go all eight days to gain one plenary indulgence. No, you do not need to do that. We gain a plenary indulgence once a day for ourselves or for the faithful departed. Okay, and so there's eight opportunities here should you choose to carry out this particular indulgenced pious action of visiting a cemetery the 1st through the 8th of November, there's eight indulgences right there. Not only one indulgence by going to the cemetery all eight days. No, that would be wrong. It's eight individual indulgences that you can obtain for the dead by visiting a cemetery daily November 1st through the 8th. Yes, Jack, you are correct. How awesome is that? Uh, it, it is pretty, it's very, very awesome. And you are correct that this dovetails with what one of our earlier callers at the beginning of the hours thought as well. You are correct about that. So I'm glad this came up now at the end of the hour because it helps set the, the record straight for everybody. This is why, can, can I be frank here, Jack? Can I just be really frank? Well, I prefer Wade, but go ahead. <laughs> this is why I say every Catholic home needs the book of indulgences. It's hardbound. It's only six inches by nine inches. It's only about a quarter to a half inch thick. It, it says over 250 indulgence acts inside of it, both plenary and partial, about 250 of them. One of them is this November 1st through 8th one that we've been talking about. Can everybody just please get a copy of the Handbook of Indulgences, quote, in quote. That's what it's titled, the Handbook of Indulgences. In fact, the word the isn't even in the golden blazon title on the front. <laughs> it's just Handbook of Indulgences. I'm going to repeat it. Handbook of indulgences. It's about a quarter to a half inch thick. It's, um, it's hardbound. You can get it from EWTNRC.com. It's got over 250 indulgenced pious actions inside of it, both plenary and partial. One of them is this November 1st through 8th one that we've been talking about. Let's, let's shore up our Catholic home library. Amen. <laughs> Sherry is in Kennewick, Washington, listening on the EWTN app. Sherry, you're on with Father Wade. Oh, hi, Father. I've got just a minute. I'm on my way to an appointment. I have two questions. Number one is, if there's no time in purgatory, how do I know when I'm going to get out? Number two, the um, I say my rosary, and I uh, dedicate de- uh, decades to my mom and dad and others. 
Beautiful. So do they get a little ping? Do they get a little ping or something to let them know that I'm praying for them? Well, they do have knowledge that you're praying for them because the intellective capacity of the soul is not lost at the time of death when it separates from the body. So we lose the five bodily senses at the time of death, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, but the four primary faculties of the soul, which is immortal and enduring, and the four primary faculties of the soul are intellect, will, memory, and imagination, they they have a cognitive awareness that you're praying for them. This is why number uh, 958 is so important of the Universal Catechism, quote, our prayer for them is capable not only of helping them, but also of making their intercession for us effective. Again, our prayer for them is capable not only of helping them, but also of making their intercession for us effective. So while you're alleviating your parents' suffering, if they are in purgatory, I'm assuming presuming, that, let's say they are, that I, I want to be able to say that your, your decades on their behalf, the decades of the rosary you're praying for their behalf, are alleviating their suffering. If they're already in heaven, then those decades you're offering for your parents are applied to somebody else who God knows could use those prayers, because your parents don't need them anymore in heaven. Uh, just like the, 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 our prayers for the damned don't benefit the damned, our prayers for those in heaven don't benefit those in heaven. Our prayers for the faithful departed, the members of the church penitent, the members of the church suffering, that's who we pray for. Uh, and if your parents have already been released from purgatory and their souls and are in heaven, then that those prayers that you've been praying for them in the rosary are applied to somebody else. As far as the time goes, how do you know when you get out? You know you get out, uh, Sherry, when your temporal punishment is all atoned for, for the already forgiven mortal and venial sin that you had forgiven while still living on earth before you died. That's how you know when you get out. You're right in that there is no time per se in the afterlife like that. So we that said, we do know that temporal punishment still needs to be purged and atoned for. And so you know you get out when you're out, and you've entered the beatific vision, what's also called eternal beatitude, or heaven for all eternity. So as I said in the springboard topic, and if you happen to miss the springboard topic, Sherry, the whole purpose of praying for the deceased, uh, the faithful departed, the church penitent, the church suffering, is to help them get to heaven sooner rather than later, because they can no longer merit for themselves. So if you did not happen to hear that first uh, 11 minutes or so of our springboard topic, you want to go back and listen to that later on, maybe this evening once it's posted, uh, soon after this hour and, and when your appointment is done that you said you were going to. Thank you so much, Sherry, for a great question. Father Wade, would you leave us with a blessing? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us on behalf of our host, Father Wade Menezes, our producer, Michael McCall, call screener Matt Gubensky, and our social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line Tuesday. Back at it tomorrow, Open Line Wednesday with Father Mitch Paqua. Until we get together then, God bless.